Today's episode of Sweeten Up Podcast is brought to you by BD Provisions, a specialty bulk food and coffee roasting shop. The store is owned and run by local Newtowners, John and Cynthia Pacuzzi. John, of course, a guest of ours on season one. BD Provisions is located in the Highland Plaza in Newtown, Connecticut, just behind Butcher's Best. If you have not visited yet, I would definitely encourage you check them out. They roast fresh coffee right in the store and carry over 200 delicious items in bulk. From candy, nuts, pasta, from flour to beans, dried fruit, and salty snacks, they have you covered. They also carry some incredible Italian and California olive oils and vinegar. They are open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. They also have locations in Fairfield, Connecticut and New Milford, Connecticut. Take it from me, BD Provisions is the real deal, and hey, you might just see me there. Thank you so much to BD Provisions for being the second sponsor of Season 3. Today's episode of Sweeten Up Podcast is brought to you by Andy Sachs and Around Town Real Estate, a family-owned real estate brokerage with all the reach of those other guys, but with a commitment to bring local back to local real estate. Located in my beautiful hometown of Newtown, Connecticut, Around Town Real Estate is the go-to for all of your real estate needs, covering much of Fairfield, New Haven, and Litchfield counties. Give them a call today at 203 203- 200-0851. Again, that's 203-200-0851. Or check them out online at aroundtownrealestatect.com. Thank you to Andy Sachs and his team for being our first sponsor of Season 3. And now, let's start the show. Hello, my friends. Happy St. Patrick's Day and Aaron Gobra. I hope everyone is doing well, getting excited for the nicer weather coming our way, enjoying your St. Patrick's Day, and welcome back yet again to a brand new episode of Sweeten Up Podcast, season number three, episode number 106. As always, I am your host, Jeff Spencer, and thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. I greatly appreciate it, whether you have for multiple seasons, an entire year, or you are today for the first time. Thank you so much for joining us. However, if you are just joining us for the first time, take a look back at our library of 105 episodes anytime you want, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. As always, if you like what you hear on the podcast today and you would like to hear more, Please be sure to tell all your friends and subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts so that you never miss a future episode. The podcast is available on all major podcast platforms, and you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Sweeten Up Podcast. With that being said, my guest on the podcast today is the great and powerful Chris Papalo. Chris Papalo is the founder and owner of Eredita Beer and a former employee of one of the best breweries in the world. Hill Farmstead of Vermont. Having brewed beer for years under the eyes of some of the best in the world, Chris moved back to Connecticut and began his beer brand in November of 2022, which is already pumping out some of the tastiest beers in the state. Currently, Chris brews his beer out of 12% Beer Project, located in North Haven, Connecticut, with his sights set on opening a brewery in his home base of Litchfield County. 
Here on Sweeten Up Podcast, we were extremely honored to have the opportunity to dive into his exclusive story about how he got to where he is today. Believe me when I tell you, this gentleman is going to take the beer world by storm. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, my friend, the great and powerful, Mr. Chris Papalo. Joining me on the podcast today here in Brookfield, Connecticut for another fun in-person interview, my favorite thing to do on the podcast is just have people come by my place and shoot the shit together. It's a lot of fun. And today on the podcast, I'm super excited because I've got the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Papalo of Eredita Brewing Company, brewing out of 12%, of course, over there in North Haven. And thank you so much, Chris, for coming on Sweeten Up Podcast. I'm really excited to get the exclusive story <laughs> of how everything came together and how you were rising up the beer ranks and how are you, my friend? Yeah, man, Jeff, it's very, very good to be here today. I, uh, super excited to just kind of get out and talk a little bit about myself, the beer, <laughs> the story. It's, is really quite a long story, but it's a story all in the less, uh, all the same, but I'm really grateful that you're willing to have me on here today. And, uh, of course, yeah, I guess, I don't know where do you, where do you want to start? Go, go back to like, I guess the beginning. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I really want to start by saying, uh, thank you so much for the, uh, the, these beers. Uh, we're drinking right now, of course, the, the pop of pills yeah, pop of pills, um, and it's, it's amazing. And, uh, the minute I took a sip, I was like, wait a second. I feel like I've had a Pilsner like this before and come to find out I have. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just really, really good stuff. I like a nice crisp Pilsner for sure. And it, and it does just that. So thank you so much, uh. man. My, my pleasure. I mean, you know, uh, it's really nice because low alcohol, four and a half or 4.8 percent alcohol, uh, really kind of going for a true Bavarian lager, you know, noble hops, German, uh, German yeast. Uh, and just, yeah, I'm trying to make these beers that are just very easy to drink and high drinkability. Um, and a lot of folks out there these days are, are focusing on, you know, either one particular style or, you know, um, maybe low alcohol. I, I, I'm all about just like making beer that doesn't matter what the alcohol is to me really per se. It's more about like, is it have a level of drinkability that's like nice on your palate? Do you want have, or do you have a sip and then it's inviting the second sip? And yeah, those are the types of beers I'm focusing on. And, um, yeah, it, the Papa pills is, is one of those. I mean, I'd be remiss to say if I, uh, if I didn't share the fact that I actually have a keg of it on at my house right now, because it's, uh, <laughs> is, is really nice drinking, uh, drinking beer. So that's awesome. I'm jealous. <laughs> it's good. I, I gotta mean, give myself a keg <laughs> and it goes so well with like a lot of different things, you know, um, lots of different kinds of food, right. Uh, different types of experiences. Um, pizza, pe absolutely. Which, which pizza. after this, we're going to go <clears throat> down to good old days and, uh, have us have ourselves a, Go visit the gods. A slice, yeah, yeah. Go visit the gods. Go visit the gods. I really want to try the uh, Philly cheesesteak pizza. That looks really interesting to me. Every, um, I mean, let's put it this way: anything that they put out looks really interesting <laughs> to me. I think they had one at one point with like hot honey or something like that, and yeah. like burrata or something. It was, yeah, it was mind blowingly good. Yeah, and, I'm and, getting hungry. I can't yeah. wait, man. Yeah, me too. <laughs> they open in five minutes, actually. <laughs> man. I guess I guess we could take the show over there, right? Oh yeah, of course. We'll we can get Stanzi in on this. Yeah, Wayne, get, yeah. get one of Wayne's uh, old fashions. Yeah, exactly. Throw it down. Exactly. Yeah, man. I love it, man. I love it. But yeah, you can really tell um with this Pilsner that 
I'm in store for a treat, <laughs> have a, uh, trying the rest, uh, just because I think with Pilsners, if you can really nail and dial one of those in, I mean, you know, that, that, that's awesome because I feel yeah. like it's not something that is too thought of these days and it's just, it's refreshing. It's, it's, you know, to me when you know, I try Pilsner by anybody, really, there's nothing really to hide behind. It's, it's really a very process driven, um, beer, uh, from, from, the selection of the grist to the selection of the hops and then your mash profile, your water, your temperatures that you're fermenting at. And it can take a while too, right? Because aren't there times where it can sit in like cool tanks or, or something like that? For I mean, a this, this beer lagered for three months cold. There you go. See? So it was like, I, I, this is actually interesting thing about this particular beer is it's actually the first beer I brewed on 12% brew house. Oh, okay. Um, very cool. I brewed it. It's very funny actually, now that I think about this, but I was brewing this beer as they were holding their October festival. <laughs> and like throughout the day as I was like, either like adding hops to the kettle or knocking out or whatever, uh, you could hear like Oompa music in the background. Oh, and very like, cool. <laughs> it's just kind of like the very like fit, fit, the, fit the moment really. But, um, yeah, they're super technical beers. There's like, uh, no, you know, it, it's not like a double IPA where you can just like throw more hops at it. And if there's a flaw, uh, it'll cover it up. It's, it's not the case with this beer. It's, uh, they're very delicate and, um, to really be able to execute it well and, and, and have, have all of the things that you're like really striving for hit in, in the right place. It's, it's definitely a challenging style to make. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to make more of it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's great, man. And uh, so let's get right into it. Like yeah. you were saying before, so yeah. where are you from? Uh, what was sort of you know your early days like growing up? And yeah, did you really see yourself eventually as a, as a brewer? As a brewer <laughs> in the position you are now, and having done uh, you know some cool things and worked for some worked for some interesting people. Yeah, so I guess to take it way back, I'm I'm originally from Meriden, Connecticut. Uh, so kind of like, I guess the crossroads of Connecticut, uh, technically the silver city of, of, uh, I think Connecticut too, or something like that. Anyway. So, uh, I grew up there, spent pretty much my entire uh, childhood in, in a, I don't know, you know, mom, mom worked days, dad worked nights. Uh, and yeah, was there until I was about 18 and then I decided to go to college um, and this, I guess actually is where beer first sort of <laughs> entered my life. Like for so many people, it's college, but, um, I went to college in New Hampshire. I went to Keene state college and, uh, while I was there, uh, I ended up actually working, uh, at a brew pub. There's a brew pub in Keene. It's called Elm city, uh, brewery. And I got a job as a dishwasher, uh, which by the way, if, Anybody knows anything about restaurants, man, dishwashers have like the hardest job in the whole place. Right. Uh, you're like the last one to leave. <laughs> right. Everybody's gone and you're like mopping the floor. Anyway, it was an opportunity in 2000, I guess that was like 2004 or five, um, to be exposed to like craft beer. Cause this brew pub was making their own beer and I was having stuff that I had never tried before double IPA and, and, uh, Kolsch and all these other styles. I mean, a lot of uh, college students drink, you know, Bush light or Natty light. And, um, it was then I was like, man, these beers really have a lot more going on than say just like, you know, watery yellow fizzy beer, uh, or what have you. So that's kind of what like sparked, I guess you could say like my interest in beer a little bit. Um, 
and so I was, I was in Keene until 2005. You know, I, I wish I took up the old brewmasters like, uh, offer. <laughs> he was like, Oh, if anybody wants to help me, uh, you know, let me know and you can come in and help brew someday. And I always thought about it, but then I was like, uh, too tired. But come to find out, it's like, man, I should have just went in there that day. The right. guy was former brewer at like Coors or something like that. And oh, his, interesting. his wife was a teacher at the college. Um, so that was like 2000, I guess five. I graduated in 2005 and, um, yeah, I kind of like wandered around a bit, you know, beer wasn't necessarily what it is now then, but every once in a while I would try new things. Uh, you know, back then I was drinking a lot of like Sierra Nevada pale ales. Harpoon used to have some good beers. Red yeah. Hook. Back in 2005, I feel like that big boom of like craft IPAs and just all the sours and the, it was just, was just it was, boiling. It yeah, was, it it was, was getting like, ready to explode. It was just like a thought and like uh, the beer gods uh, of, of, you know, whatever that yeah. it was like, this is this thing that's going to eventually <laughs> become crazy. Yeah. And so like, you know, things went on a bit. I lived at home for a while and my family moved to Rocky Hill. So we were living in Rocky Hill for a while. Um, and after that, like I met somebody at work. I, w I worked at Sprint for a while selling cell phones. Like when I was like 25, like, uh, like as a government sales rep or whatever, going into like healthcare and, uh, city halls and stuff like that. And this guy I worked with was like, you gotta go to the Vermont Brewers Festival. Oh and, yeah. And that was like 2007. <laughs> and I was like, Okay. And then like when I realized how hard it was to get tickets for it, I was like, this must be some like some sort of thing. Magically, I ended up getting tickets. And I remember going to this festival. My wife and I went and I was like, oh my God, these beers are so good. This is so good. <laughs> and and it was just like kind of like, I guess the jump off point for for me and when I like really started going down this rabbit hole of of like beer. So that brings us to like 2007, 2008 or so. Um, my wife and I got married in, in 2010 and we actually, we went to Europe for our honeymoon. So we went to, I, I used to actually kind of be more into wine and uh, for our honeymoon, we went to uh, Bordeaux and we're drinking like Bordeaux wine and St. Emion and like, it was like, okay, this is like pretty magic. Um, Bordeaux is. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> the, I no, that's the, all you needed to say. <laughs> Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like, if you know, you know, right? Like, love it. We, um, so we, you know, we were very, pretty big into wine for a while. And then I think it was probably New England Brewing Company's Coriolis. Um, like either that or Gandhi Bot back when it used to be called Gandhi Bot, now G Bot. But, uh, I remember drinking this beer and thinking to myself, whoa, this tastes like grapefruits. This tastes like citrus, but it's like, you know, light yellow and it's not like double IPA that's dark brown and nasty or whatever. And that's like when it all started that I was now, okay, I need to go and try to find all the best beers anywhere I can find them. And, um, yeah, that's, that's sort of when I learned a bit about like Hetty Topper and I was like, okay, Hetty Topper yeah. is some crazy IPA and Hedy it's like, Hetty Topper's wild, and in fact, over here, it, it, you you can't you can't really find it. Sometimes, rarely, you know, every once in a while, a local liquor store will get a drop of it. But yeah. it was so crazy going to Vermont uh, last summer in <laughs> August, and I had to I filled up my tank before I went, and just as I was like getting close to where I was staying, 
uh, I needed to get some gas real quick uh, just in case the place I was staying wasn't too close to a gas station because I wasn't sure. It's Vermont. Because it's Vermont. <laughs> and, and I remember going into the gas station to use the bathroom and I walked past the beer cooler and just saw four packs just stacked to the ceiling in this cooler with Hetty Topper. And I thought... I had struck gold. Yeah. Like I thought, okay, well, this is what's at the end of uh, you know a rainbow. Like it's yeah. this gas station with all this, <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. And I thought to myself, well, it makes sense. You know, it's Vermont, so I'm sure it's obviously more readily available right. in Vermont where they are. But I didn't realize like to that extent. And uh, when I left, you you bet I stopped there <laughs> and grabbed as many four packs as I could before I left. It's so crazy. Like, I really do think back. I actually, I think I still have this app on my phone. It was called like, it was called the Heady Spotter. Heady no Spotter. Way. And it there was, was like. There was an app to spot it? That's so great. People used to actually drive around Vermont and like follow the delivery truck to try to buy. No way. At all the different drops. <laughs> it, it was crazy. And Wow, that's crazy. Uh, you know, I remember. It's you used to be able to buy like six cases, I think, at the brewery, and then they cut it down to like two. And yeah, that's like I really started to go into it pretty deep at that point. And um, yeah, I, I just like it was sort of a little bit of the thrill of the chase. But then when you got it and you were like, whoa, this really is that good, right? Like, I've never had anything yeah. like this and before. And focal banger, and focal banger, like. It, you know, I think back of like when Focal Banger used to just have like a sticker on the side of the can of like a couple hops or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it must have been around 2013. And I saved, and sorry, I saved the two cans. Did you see that? I saw that. Yeah. When I walked in, it's like, I saw, the Blue, it, I saw the Blues Brothers poster <laughs> and I saw the Heady Topper and Focal Banger. I was like, all right, I know this is going to go. <laughs> this guy's, this guy's okay. We're on the same page. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, so anyway, yeah, 2013. 2013, like I was just like, I mean, I was going to Vermont like maybe once a month or something, once every like six weeks to go get more. And one of my wife's coworkers, actually, um, his in-laws owned Maltos Express, uh, which was the homebrew store down in, uh, in Monroe, which was next to Voracious Brewing Company, which was there for quite a while. Ah, I miss them. Absolutely. You know, great, really, really great folks. And tremendous, I- uh, Tremendous people. I had the opportunity to go like, Homebrew a batch of beer with that. Um, his name's Eric anyway. Uh, and I went in his kitchen and we were like homebrewing some stout. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is how you do it. <laughs> uh, flash forward, my wife ended up buying me a, uh, a heady topper homebrew clone brew kit um, from Maltos Express for Christmas in 2013. Where you could try to make it yourself. Try to make it yourself. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't it was, even... Oh, they had a kit to try to make it yourself. I they had it for like that. everything. So my that's second, so cool. my second homebrew was like a, a, a Pliny the elder, uh, oh. a kit. And it was like, at that moment I was like, you know, she got it for me for Christmas. I went to like this little, like they used to do like a class, like once a month or something like that for, for people to learn how to homebrew. And, uh, I, I got the bug so bad. Like I went from zero to a hundred with, with homebrewing and like, it was one of those things where it was like every weekend I was like absolutely guaranteed brewing Saturday or Sunday. <laughs> I had like, by the time it was all in, I probably had like eight or nine carboys, which is like what? Almost 50 gallons worth of beer, like in my, in my basement fermenting at a time. And, um, I really just kind of tried to go down the rabbit hole of understanding like the science and understanding the importance of like 
the things that make your beer better. I'll never forget the first time I tried to make a beer with my own well water in Brookfield. Like the water at my house was so, so, so hard that like, uh, all of the, uh, fixtures and things in the house, like shower, get plugged up with calcium deposits and things like that. But the first IPA I tried to make, um, with that water at my house came out so bad. It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh. And, and I was just like, whoa, maybe I don't, understand this stuff like quite the way I thought I did. Um, but it's, it was like a really interesting time to be coming up in this and that like the internet was, I mean, the internet is a, a really useful tool for a lot of things, but you can learn so much. And specifically like in this regard, it was water. I was trying to understand more about like water and, uh, like yeast health and things like that. And I was able to just kind of, where'd you go looking? Oh man. YouTube, Reddit. No, I mean, then it was like more, there was this forum, it was called homebrew talk. And, um, then there's like John Palmer's book, how to, how to, how to brew. And, um, the American homebrewers association has a lot of good, like resources out there. I mean, they have, they actually have a book. It's like a grain, uh, a different book is called water. A different book is called yeast and a different book is called hops. So you could really in theory learn all the various things that like you need to, um, from those books. And then there's also like the quintessential, um, uh, new lager brewing book, which is by Greg was by, or is by Greg Noonan, who is kind of like, I guess the, uh, and he's like one of the grandfathers of brewing, uh, like small batch brewing in the United States. He used to own, um, the Vermont pub and brewery, uh, in Vermont. And, uh, right. He's the one who, I guess you could say John Kimmick, uh, like studied under him, uh, well, uh, well, well, that restaurant was like, and brew pub was still in operation and it is still in operation now, but, um, Greg Noonan passed away. So like, it was wow. kind of one of those things where, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of the magic after somebody is, is gone kind of goes with them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but Kimmick obviously has like carried it, carried it on and carried the torch and, yeah. So I would say it was probably about 2014. I was like really heavily into home brewing, and then, you know, entering contests and meeting really interesting people, learning, learning about, about my own process. I mean, so homebrew contests. Yeah. I was nice. doing a bunch of those and nice. like smoke in the Valley was a big one. Um, Very cool. and, uh, yeah, it was, it was around then though, that I was just like, I, I really just want to try to like take this thing to the next level. And, um, yeah, it was, it was like, trying to always brew and not always, but I would frequently brew the same recipe every week, but like make minor adjustments to it to figure out like, okay. It's like, I mean, kind of like a chef refining, like, okay, how much salt do I add? And what kind of beer was that that you were doing? That at was a pale ale. At homebrews. It was a pale ale. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How, I mean, how were you received at homebrew competitions? I mean, uh, I, I think really well. I mean, uh, I never actually won one, <laughs> Gotcha. but, uh, I, well, I guess pies and pints, uh, kind of won one, whatever. Anyhow, you know, it was a good opportunity to meet a lot of people and just kind of like pour your beer that back then it was like so much fun to just like have other people try it. And, uh, you know, it, it still is super fun to have other people try it. But back then it was like, man, I don't know if anybody's ever going to like try this beer other than me. And maybe I think it's good and maybe it's not. And the, like the feedback was, okay, yeah, Chris, you kind of know what you're doing. Like, gotcha. After that, it was like 2016. So this is kind of when it like really popped for me, uh, in February of 2016, this thing came online that was like, 
uh, you could go learn how to do small batch brewing uh, at this like very small agricultural college in, in Northern Vermont and Craftsbury, Vermont. Uh, and the class was being led by um, Anders Kissmeyer, who's like world renowned brewmaster. He was uh, at Carlsberg in uh, Denmark for many, many years. You Carlsberg, had, love Carlsberg's beers. <laughs> he was, he was the guy and like, That's awesome. so it was like him, Sean Hill of Hill Farmstead and nice, um, Sean Hill. Uh, and, and Jan Paul, uh, Jan Paul is this guy who, uh, is one of Sean and Anders buddies. Um, and it's like an opportunity to go like two weeks. You stayed there. It was super immersive. There were like field trips to breweries. And then the culmination of the class was actually like brewing, um, a a 500 liter batch of beer on, on the Hill Farmstead, like pilot system. Wow. And, um, without, checking if I could get the time off from work and without checking with my wife, uh, I like spent like almost $3,000 on a class to like, to go do this thing that I was like, okay, super impulsive, Chris, uh, I'm a Gemini. I was like super impulsive, but when am I going to have a chance to maybe do something like this again? And I'll, I'll figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. It's only going to benefit you. Yeah. And so you know, you're, you're investing in yourself. Exactly. And like, it's I, like, like, I, like I do on the show, like, like anyone who wants to try to be successful, sometimes you got to invest in yourself. And yeah. And, and you have to take chances, right? Exactly. Like, it's risk. Like, you got to take risks. There's yeah. got to be some risk. And at the time I was just like, you know what? Um, this is this for better or worse, whatever comes of this, like it'll be worth it. And so I signed up for the class. The class was in July, which, you know, we were kind of talking before you hit record that like. So July, 2016, 16. Gotcha. Yeah. Like uh, Vermont in the summer is just like magic. So I was up there for like the best time of year. Um, and throughout the course, like, you know, you're kind of learning tidbits here and there. And like, ultimately I ended up hitting it off pretty, pretty well with Sean uh, Hill and, um, when, when brew day came around, you know, we all kind of like wrote a collaborative recipe before, uh, together for the, the beer, which it was, a um, a mixed fermentation beer with, uh, Britannomyces and, uh, an ingredient, like we foraged pineapple weed. I don't know if you know what pineapple weed is. Uh, um, it's basically wild chamomile. So, uh, like throughout Vermont and even probably in Connecticut. Of course, like, Hill Farmstead would be doing something like that. Yeah. It's <laughs> very like Hill, very, very Hill Farmstead. It's like, okay. I, well, and the great thing was like all of us students came up with the idea to do it. And awesome. um, so if you, if you look around the ground, like dirty, uh, like dusty dirt roads or whatever um, in summer, sometimes you'll see it. And uh, it's basically almost looks like a little like pineapple. And if you pick it up and you break it open, it smells like, floral pineapple. Wow. So, uh, our class decided to, to do this beer mixed fermentation beer with pineapple weed. And, um, as, as, as the day goes, you know, we're, we're brewing the beer. And, uh, at one point Sean was like, Oh yeah. You know, could you make sure the floor is clean? Like with the squeegee. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know? And I'm like, yeah, super important at breweries. Yeah. I was like, it was my mission that day with that squeegee. If I like wore the squeegee down to nothing, I was going to do that. But like I kept the floor as clean as it could possibly be. And, um, yeah, you know, it's funny. Sometimes you just like hit it off with people, right? You can just kind of tell immediately you're like, oh yeah, we're kind of on the same page with stuff. And I sort of kind of had that feeling with him. And, uh, so we, we ended up, you know, kind of shooting the shit a little bit uh, as, as the brew day was going on. And, 
you know, the course was wrapping up and as, as I'm walking away uh, from the brewery on the last day we're there, he's like, Oh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd offer you an opportunity to interview here. If you, you know, if you didn't live in Connecticut or, you know, weren't tied down or whatever. And I was just kind of like, Oh, <laughs> I was like, well, you know, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I was something along the lines of like, well, you know, I'm not really tied down to Connecticut. Meanwhile, I'm thinking to myself, okay, like what, what did I just say? But it was like, you know, it was a, it was, it was a conversation starter. And so I got it. I mean, you know, we exchanged numbers and came, came home and told my wife, I was, she was like, I'm not surprised. She's like, I knew you were probably going to go there and like hit it off with him and become friends. And, and so, crush it, yeah. so she's like, well, you know, like let's, let's talk about this. Um, as it was, I ended up having to do two working interviews there. So like the first working interview was just kind of like cleaning a tank, uh, on one day. And then they had me come up a second day, which the second day was now that I look back on it retrospectively, I think I was just like so shocked at the time that I was like, didn't realize what was going on. But like the second day they had me like emptying wine barrels of stuff that was probably like art or Anne, which are like their most like revered, uh, like bottles of, of beer that go for like a hundred dollars a bottle or something like that. And like, damn, that was like my interview was like emptying the barrels and like doing, doing all the things. And so it ended up working out. All right. And, um, I, I guess like I, I forgot to mention too, this whole time as a graduate student, I, I was telling you before I was right. a graduate student at UConn at the health center in, um, in Farmington and, uh, working towards master's degree in epidemiology. And I was writing my thesis in the spring of 2016, which is when all of this was like going down. And, uh, yeah, it's just like, I, I wasn't really feeling it as much as I thought I was. And what's the thesis again? It's, it's basically like the capstone of like your, your, your degree. So I was writing a thesis on like, I used to work at the American Red Cross, um, in, in the research department, um, working with like, uh, red blood cells and stuff like that. And, uh, my thesis was looking at the relationship of like, uh, red blood cells and like oxygen in um, blood donors, people that donate blood like pretty regularly. And like, if I finished the thesis, uh, I would have had like my MPH. So I could have been health director, which is, uh, you know, looking back on it, it would have been great job security, <laughs> but like, I, I, I don't know, like the ability to have this opportunity, this crossroads really of, of like, do I want to keep like working in the healthcare industry sort of, or do I want to go do something that I like? So while most? you're in this two week class, yeah, you're also in, in school. Sort of. Yeah. At, I mean, like writing, <laughs> like reporting back to like my advisor and like, yeah, it was, it was crazy. So it, you know, it, it was when the job offer came in from, from Hill Farms that it was pretty, pretty intense to be like, okay, let's really think about this. Like once in a lifetime opportunity. By school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Sean it's, Hill's knocking. It's like, you know, <laughs> and I'm I mean, <laughs> and at that point in time there, I mean, they had been named best brewery in the world probably six years in a row at that oh, point. Oh, yeah. And like, I, I, I said to my wife, I look at them and Jester King, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just like, okay, like, <laughs> well, I have friends who work at Jester King too. You do? Yeah, from oh. Newtown that moved to Austin. Whoa. And they work at Jester King. That's, I feel like I yeah. need to meet, I feel like I need shout to meet out, them. Shout out to Ari and Dan. I'm not <laughs> sure if they listen to the show, but shout out to you guys. I feel like, yeah. 
need to go meet them, I guess. I yeah. got to go to Jester King. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was like a, a very, very big moment in my life to kind of just decide like, all right, let's, let's go down this other road. Uh, and I had a wife that was super supportive of it. Um, for like, like my first day at Hill Farmstead was Halloween 2016. Wow. And my wife ended up, she's a teacher. She ended up like staying in Connecticut for like that whole rest of her school year, because it's like kind of hard to leave in the middle of a school year if you're a teacher. Um, so we had like a long distance relationship for like nine months or something, eight months, something like that. And, um, but she was super supportive of it. And I got to tell you the amount of just stuff that I thought I knew going into that job, my head, like my mind was blown because it's just prior to that, I was like, Oh, I'm going to open my own brewery in Danbury or something like that. And I even <laughs> met with like the, the, the folks downtown. Um, there used to be, I think it was the Colorado, uh, pub or something like that down by, uh, where the band shell is in Danbury. Oh, okay. I'm not uh, sure. I'm not. It's like near where two steps I think is or something like oh, that. Okay. Okay. Anyhow, like, they, like uh, street area. Yeah. Right. They, they were like, Oh yeah, we're really been trying to revitalize the area. And like, if, you know, if you want to do something here, maybe you could. And it's like, in retrospect, there, there should be a brewery though down there still. I mean, uh, and I'm surprised there isn't, and I'm surprised there aren't more breweries in Danbury because there's because uh, as far as far as I know, well, no, there's two. There are, there is two Charter Oak, and there's another one with the name uh, Quick Works. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Um, and I hear Quick Works is really good. I hope I'm saying that right, and I apologize if <laughs> I'm not. Um, but I believe that's what it is. And uh, I, but I, but I feel like for you know a city. You know, there, there could be more, like more opportunity, you know, more opportunity there. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I I was reading recently about, um, the revitalization plan, I think, or something like that of, of, of downtown Danbury. Yeah. A lot of like apartments and stuff like that. A lot of like, and and interesting. it's, I think, I don't know if it's, if maybe this is just my opinion, but like, I think the tricky thing about Danbury, downtown Danbury specifically is, is it proximity and like, it's ease to get to. You know what I'm saying? Like, I always feel like that whole like uh, area near like the train tracks and the ice arena and stuff with the one way streets and everything. It's like it's not easy to get around down there. Really. No, I agree. You know what I mean? And I yeah, the I don't traffic, know. The traffic can be wild at times. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but anyway, like I was gonna try to do my own thing in Danbury, and I like in retrospect, it was like such a blessing that that like kind of like fell apart. Gotcha. Because like. <sighs> it's one of those things where it's like, you don't want to discourage homebrewers or anybody from like doing something uh, that they're super passionate about or excited about. Because if you put your mind to something, you can eventually or ultimately achieve what you're looking to achieve. And I think I, you know, I could have been successful down there, but there's so many things that is a homebrewer. You just don't realize when you're trying to do it on a commercial scale. Um, Like, it's it's so <laughs> I laugh a little bit nowadays because I'm I'm a seasoned veteran I guess if you want to call it that in in beer but like when homebrewers like come up and try to like start giving you advice you know you're like you're like do you really know what it's like to try to brew a thousand gallons of beer at once and like you know what you're suggesting like you just feasibly can't do and and yeah it's like tongue in cheek a little bit uh, of like well okay guy you know you, you're yeah you, a lot goes into it. Oh. I, I remember talking to Zach Ross and seeing his posts of just long days and yeah, you know, long nights and it's, long mornings and early mornings and just all, all that stuff. It yeah. all blends together. Yeah. 
Um, so and it's a lot of cleaning too, isn't it? I mean, that's what like most of it is. Like, like I know that some, I know that um, there's some folks out there, and I've said this before on other podcasts who think that like, oh, like being a brewer is like the most, you know, like you're a big deal and you're the, <laughs> but it's like no. there's a lot, <laughs> but but like most of it is like cleaning, like it, it's yeah. not, you know, it, it's, it's 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 you're a master of the custodial arts, as they said in half yeah. baked. You know what I'm yeah, saying? You're a master of the custodial. <laughs> great uh, movie, great movie. Um, but yeah, so like. I, I just, there were so many things that if I had tried to do it on my own, I don't want to say I would have failed, but like the, the, the struggle. Yeah. I'm a master. Of the, sorry. I just yeah. like, I have the movie. It's actually right there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but anyway. or a janitor, if you anyway. want to be a dick about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, there's just like so much that goes into it that I, um, yeah, I probably would have persevered, made it through, but like, some of the best advice I got from anybody along the way, um, Dan Suarez, who used to work at Hill Farmstead actually, and has his own brewery up in, uh, upstate New York. Yeah. He, um, Suarez family. Yeah. He, he, I uh, love their stuff. I, they're, they're legendary over there. I was like emailing with those guys, like right before they opened, which was also consequently like June, 2016, all kind of like all these like things just kind of happening right around the same time. And, uh, they had just started, uh, started their brewery and I reached out. I was like, Hey, you know, you guys need any like help bottling or anything like that or whatever. And they're like, Oh no, I think we're good. And, uh, ended up going back and forth with, uh, Dan and Tay, his, his wife, uh, just about like what kind of advice they'd give to somebody who's like trying to get started or whatever. And, um, so they gave me their advice and like, I ended up going up there on their opening weekend and it was so crazy because like, it wasn't like a mob scene. It was like their opening weekend. And it was like, we were like, I don't know. There were maybe like 15 people there and we were just all hanging out. And I ended up hitting it off really well with them. And, um, yeah, it, they just had really good advice. They were like, go work in a brewery before you try to open your own. And so I was like, okay, I need to go try to That's do great that. advice. It's, it's incredibly great advice. And so I, I was like, okay, I need to go find somewhere to work. And I had thrown, cast my line out to a couple of places in Connecticut. Um, no bites. I will say this much though. I did like kind of moonlight. It's steady habit. Uh, I don't know if you remember those guys like yes. 10 years ago or so, maybe at this point, but I hit it off. Middletown, with, right? Uh, East or East am I thinking Haddam, of else? maybe okay. stubborn beauty. Oh, okay. I'm, maybe <laughs> I, I think, um, my bad, my bad, but it was great because like, and I, I huge shout out to John. Uh, his name is John Peterson. He's the one who like actually threw me a bone when I was like, Oh, you know, I want to you know, learn to be a brewer or whatever. And I brought in a couple growlers in my homebrew and he was like, Oh man, that's really good stuff. And, uh, it was great too. Cause is he said he had it still around. Sorry. But... I, th I think they are. Okay. Okay. I think they are. I'll have to check, have to check up on he, them. He, um, yeah, he liked my beer so much that they had an event coming up that was for, uh, the microbrew invitational put on by beer advocate. It, I think it's the seaport in Boston or the convention center there or whatever. Okay. And John was like, Oh yeah, Chris, you know, like let's write a recipe together and then we can pour it at the festival. And to me, I mean, again, this was like May of 2016 between like, I guess February and like July of 2016, things really started to percolate for me. So that was a hell of an experience to like actually see people like drinking my, my recipe uh, at a big festival. It was like Jay Wakefield was there and he oh, was, wow. he was just like new back then, you know? Right. And like, it was a real, real, really, really good time. Anyhow, That's so cool. we ended up, um, you know, hitting it off Dan and I and, and his, his wife, Tay and 
yeah, go work in a brewery. So this whole Hill Farmstead experience happens um, in, in, in July, 2016. And then, you know, when the job offer came in, I emailed those guys. I was like, Hey, uh, my wife and I are going to be up this weekend to come have some beers at, at your brewery. We're celebrating. I finally got a job in a brewery. She's like, Oh, where did you get a job? I was like, Hill Farmstead. And she was like, no way. So you're moving to Vermont. And I was like, yeah, it's like, that was it. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm going like, to Hill Farmstead. Yeah. I'm no going big to, deal. Yeah. Nice. Going, going. Yeah, and we'll it's see like, you. see you later. <laughs> and again, like it oh, was, man. it was so crazy to think about it that I had like no professional experience, but I was like passionate about enough about like what I believed in, like just all of my energy was like focused on making this thing happen. And then it actually did. And so, yeah. So in 2016, uh, October, we moved there or I moved there and my wife lived in, in Connecticut for a while until her school year was out. And, you know, that, that brought its own challenges and stuff, but you know, I, it, it, I found out very quickly what it was like to work at a place where it's the best at something. And, you know, the expectations are, are really, really high, but it's because like, there's so much kind of to lose sort of, if you can't like live up to your own standards, you know what I mean? So yeah, it was, it was pretty wild actually. Um, you know, first started just like moving beers around the facility. And then ultimately in like February of 2017, like I had been there, I guess maybe almost just five, six months at that point. I, I was then in charge of like the entire like barrel age beer program sort of and, and wild beer and, uh, yeah. Wild beer is wild, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love like, wild beer. Uh, I almost brought one, but I was like, Oh, I don't know. You know? Oh, like, no worries. I like all sours. Cause, um, uh, I used to go to Hudson Valley brewery a lot and I, um, uh, know one of the, I know a couple of the guys over there. So shout yeah. out to John Anthony and, and Harry and, <laughs> and the gang. It's, it's like, <clears throat> yeah. So it was like all of a sudden, like I went from like being just like home brewer, kind of like wanting to go pro to having like gone pro. And then having like this like pretty big responsibility on my shoulders of like, I don't know, packaging like quarter million dollars worth of beer in a day and like not screwing it up, <laughs> you know, it's just right. like learning along the way, uh, uh about so many different aspects about it. Um, beer being the, the thing that like you know, learning aspects about, but, um, yeah, it's just a lot of it is about like drinking a lot of like trying, I shouldn't say drinking, trying many, many things to understand like what you're looking for as far as like flavors are concerned or mouthfeel is concerned or, uh, the way the beer finishes or maybe the way it smells. It's like, Oh, you have to drink and try so many beers to really understand like what you're looking for. Um, especially with a place like that, where they have a very, a very, very distinct like terroir of like what their beers like smell, taste like, how they feel in your mouth when you're drinking them, et cetera. It's, it's, it was a very, very like sharp learning curve for me, but I, I do want to say that I think I, I, I mean, I absorbed as much as I could when, when lessons were being taught to me because it was like, if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it kind of thing. And I don't want to say it was like sink or sink or swim, but there is certainly a, le a level or degree of like, like you need to understand how to do these things. And it is really, I mean, an incredibly progressive workplace. Um, like 
when I, when I talk a little bit about in a little while now, but like when I ended up going back there in 2020, you know, we used to have like morning meditation, like all the staff would be able to have like, you know, 20 minutes of like seated meditation and like, um, I don't know too many places that do things like that. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, do you mind if I crack another one of these? Yeah, let's crack another one. Crack another one. You know, Hill Farmstead was quite the experience. I was able to really be involved in a lot of different aspects of the brewery and, I guess maybe probably like 4,000, 5,000 hours worth of like experience uh, obtained there. And then in in September of 2019, uh, I my wife and I uh, were expecting our daughter. So I ended yeah, up- Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, I was a dad. I was yeah. going to be a dad and it was Papa like- Pills. Yeah, I was like, okay, <laughs> here we go. Is that your nickname? <laughs> I mean, it might as well be at this point. <laughs> Uh, but like, yeah, we were, we like when she found out like she was pregnant, like we were, we were like, we got to be home. We got to be closer to family. And even in the three years we lived in Vermont, like it's so remote where Hill Farmstead is that we three years with Hill Hill Farmstead initially. Yeah. And then like all in over five when you, you consider when I went back in 2020, but like it was three years, like we still hadn't really developed like a ton of like friends and connections up there and like oh, so you so so to bring it back you kind of weren't tied to vermont and you, you right go, yeah i mean yeah i guess that's a really good way to put it yeah. and we i mean the thought of bringing a new life into the world without like a support system in place was like really really kind of scary sure uh i mean especially <laughs> lo and behold nobody knew it was coming like eight months later with, with the global pandemic that lasted for however many years uh, it is now. It's insane. Like crazy. So like, you know, I ended up like doing my farewell tour, uh, left in 2019. Um, my daughter was born in October of 2019 and like the realization came, came forth that like, okay, if I'm opening a brewery, it's not happening anytime soon and I need some sort of income. So around that time that somebody was like, Oh yeah, there's this place 12% uh in in North Haven. Uh they just opened, but like they're probably hiring or something like that. And I had only known them as an importer and like distribution company. And so I dug in a little bit and it looked like they were hiring. I reached out and ended up getting hired as a as like a seller person to write a lot of the um, SOPs for cleaning tanks, moving beer around, whatever. And then also doing work production. And I did that, gosh, November, 2019 through, well, and then, and then it's so funny. I remember specifically, uh, I was brewing a beer for root and branch. Um, the day that like the world closed March 11th, 2020. I remember like, uh, Anthony, who's who owns Root and Branch, uh, the brewer over there. He he was at the brewery that day. I forget what the, I think we're. I can't even remember what we're making. But he was like, he's like, yeah, I think I'm gonna go because he's like, I think they're gonna close the bridges and stuff to get back to New York City or whatever. Oh my and it was gosh. like, it's like holy shit. Like this is like <laughs> this is like all getting very real, like very yeah. quick. And like, man, it was crazy too. Like leading everything leading up to that, as far as like pandemic wise. I remember uh, like I would drive into work cause I was typically the early brewer and I would like drive in at like, I mean, I was living in, in Brookfield at the time uh, in Brookfield to North Haven's like an hour drive. At least I, I would listen to NPR and it was, it all started like, Oh, 
this uh, uh, novel coronavirus and blah, blah, blah. And that was like in like, I don't know, December. And then by the time we got to March, it was like, yep, world shut. Forget it. Everybody's closed. Um, and that was like a really, really strange time to be like involved in, in like, I guess we were sort of considered essential work. Like alcohol was considered essential work. It was weird, but like, you know, <laughs> so like ended up doing that, that gig until, um, June of 2020. And, and, you know, I'd kept in touch with Sean and he was like, you know, you know, he's like, I can't, I can't tell if you're like super happy with what you're doing, but he's like, you know, I've, I've had to let all of my staff go because of the pandemic. And he was like, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about trying to like maybe open the brewery back up again. Uh, would you have any interest in, um, working three days a week? Uh, you know, kind of come to Vermont, do the work and then go home, uh, on Thursday night or something like that. And at the time I was like, you know what, this, this sounds good. Like, yeah, let's do this. Cause like, I never really wanted to leave Hill Farmstead, but like, you know, life. I mean, life happened and it was like, okay, I know I actually, I actually have, I have to leave because I don't have any family up here and all that stuff. So it was like, okay, this, this three day a week thing could work. And it was crazy too. Cause my wife's a teacher and she was like trying to like teach remotely during this time. And, man, I'm sure you've probably heard horror stories from people trying to like work remotely during the pandemic. Yeah, no, of course it's, it's <clears throat> yeah. Especially like a job, like teaching. Yeah. Like, like not easy to do remote. No, especially um, when you're talking about like fifth and sixth graders. Yeah. I know many, many folks who teach and, it's, and yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was definitely a hurdle to have to overcome Yeah, and, uh, kind of cool that, you know, certain companies have developed now because of the pandemic and yeah. now teaching online is a little easier, uh, the, the, the few years down the line. But yeah, I mean, at first it was just like, was, whoa. And then, and now the fact of working remotely is like, it's like we, we, we can thank the pandemic for the fact that, you know, yeah. we, can, we can get a day or two yeah. or, or maybe a week, weekly, you can set up an office anywhere. Just, yeah. Just being home in, in your living room. It's just, it's a crazy thing to think, but I guess we have the pandemic to thank for some things and really not thank for a lot of other terrible things. Yeah. So. It was, it was definitely a really, really like, I mean, strange time to be alive, you know, crazy time to be alive. <laughs> so it was like, I ended up taking, taking the gig, you know, I left 12%. Um, it, it was like, so back were, to so back to Hill Farm said. Yeah, it was like no, there there were no hard feelings there with those guys. It was just like more along the lines of like three day work week was like sounding super appealing. Oh man, uh, <laughs> like yeah, and like sounds great to me. <laughs> and it was so crazy too because at that particular time, I was the only person Sean had brought back. So that feels good. It was nuts. Like when I had been there in 2019, and there was like a staff of like. 20 something people production had like at least eight or 10 people. And, um, when I went back, it was like, John was making the work. I was doing all the seller stuff and packaging it. And it was like just the two wow. of us. And it was like, I guess, a, a, a way more intimate like relationship in the sense of like working together, like one-on-one -on -one as opposed to like, I mean, he, he's always been a great mentor to me and a great friend. Um, but like, during those periods of time, it was truly like, well, if you don't do it and I don't do it, nobody's going to do it because there's nobody else here. And it just like really helped drive home for me, um, some work ethics and some, and, and, and just like prioritization and communication and just thinking about like, just thinking about how, how, how you operate 
um, a production facility, you know? So I did that. It was very cool. It was, cool. it, it, it was, it was like nothing. I, I mean, the only thing I could liken it to would be like, maybe like in the early days when it was like, yeah, I was going to say like old school bare bones, like, like him and Dan, him, yeah. and, him and Dan doing their thing. What a cool, and, like intimate, what a cool experience, you know? Yeah. And it was just like, yeah. Like, and it, it was weird too. Cause it was like pandemic still. And like everybody had to still wear masks and stuff. So initially it was only supposed to be like a, maybe six month gig. He was like, you know, uh, I know you want to try to do your own thing. Um, you know, if you want, you, you can work here for, uh, you know, six months or something if you want to. And then, you know, if, if you've got your thing together, great. And that was like June of 2020. And we got all the way around to like July, June. No. April 2022 and things were a bit different at that point. Um, I guess actually it would have been December of 2021, December 2021. Like he and I had our like annual review meeting and I was just kind of like, you know, I can't, I can't really keep, keep doing this. This is kind of getting to a point where it's like, I'm driving to Vermont like once a week, like I'm not home with my wife and daughter. My daughter was getting older. Right. It just started to like wear a bit on me. So I was like, I'm giving you like eight months notice that I'm going to leave in, in August of 2022 or whatever. So the, the whole intention and thought at that point was like, okay, um, let's try to like, have you identify and train your successor because like, as I mentioned earlier, um, a big part of like that role that I was in was like tasting a lot of beer and being so hands-on the type of stuff that you just can't like read in a book and know how to do. Like somebody needs to explain stuff to you. And so we tried to do that. And, um, it was just like, it was really like kind of bittersweet because it was like, uh, December, 2021. I was like, yeah, I'm going to leave in, in, in the next year. And at that time I had been like working very, very diligently with somebody to try to put a project together in Litchfield County of my own. And when I tell you, it was like every free minute of my time was like going towards trying to like plan and get quotes and do numbers and this and that on, on like my spare time is the hours, I guess I, I probably couldn't even quantify to you how many hours I spent trying to build this other project. And it's just, it was like April, 2022, that all kind of fell apart. I could see it crumbling. And then it was around April, 2022. My dad started to get like really, really sick. And, um, you know, I, I, I was like, I gotta be home to, to kind of handle some of this shit. And, um, yeah, I, I, I tried to like persevere, but man, life gets really heavy sometimes when you go through some, some things like that. And I, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was like around the beginning to middle of May, I was just like, nope. Like I'm not doing this brewery project thing that I had been working on. Uh, I just didn't want to in, involve like as many people as were going to be necessary. Um, Hill Farmstead was being very, very generous with me with respect to like time off because my dad was sick. And uh, you know, he he ultimately he passed away. He he had some unknown illness that people at Yale couldn't figure out. He was there for a month. Um Wow. It was just it was it was intense. It was like, 
you know, you're meeting with like some of these doctors that are like the best doctors in the world. And they are like, I, they're like, well, we don't really know what's going on. And, um, I'm, you know, not to interject and yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. Uh, I actually had a, a similar experience. I lost my mom in 2019, just before the pandemic. And she had this mystery illness for at least a couple weeks. Um, they were able to actually figure out what it was eventually, but yeah, uh, she was at Yale too. And she actually passed at Yale. Yeah. Um, she was at Yale for a month and she, yeah. it was, after 30 days she passed and it, it was almost exactly 30 days for my yeah. dad. It was, it was super, yeah, it was she crazy. Had, she had AL amyloidosis, which is like a heart, extremely rare heart condition that yeah. very few people get. And she also had multiple myeloma, which is also extremely rare. So that's, <clears throat> that was, those were, I mean, those were the kind of like conversations I was having with physicians because my, yeah. my dad had like, um, well, you know, he leading up to mother's day in, in 20, uh, 2022 last year, he developed serious jaundice and like prior to that, he'd had like these weird outbreaks of like rashes and like weird night sweats and stuff like that. And everybody he went to kept referring him to everybody else. And he was trying his damnedest to like, uh, wow. like, like get help from doctors and stuff. And, and I, I kid you not, he probably saw probably like, nine to 10 doctors over this, the course of like a year. This sounds like my mom. She literally was trying everything she could to yeah. figure out what was going on. She was online. She was talking to professionals. She was going to all these specialists. Yeah. Nothing. It's like rheumatologist, hematologist, yeah. uh, yes. infectious disease specialist, yes. dermatologist. Yes. Yeah. And wow. it was like what a, what a, what crazy. A, what a coincidence to have that same experience. Yeah. And it's like, you know, then you're like, you're like, okay, well, he's at Yale. Like, they're like the yeah, best. They're the they're best. Like, they're going to figure something out. Yeah. And, you know, it was like he leading up to this, he was like really, really like hesitant. They wanted to do a bone marrow scan. And like, that's a super invasive procedure. They did that to my mom. And he ended up having it done. And they're like, well, you know, it doesn't actually look too bad or whatever. And like, so then it was like, oh, well, you know, we're going to do, uh, we're going to do like, um, a, a liver biopsy and then we're going to do lymph node biopsies and all these other things. And it's just like, man, and, and like, I guess that complicated a bit further was that like, um, healthcare being what it is post pandemic things like there's, there's not the staffing. So things are taking a long time. It's like he had the bone marrow test on it. It was like almost 10 days until we like heard something. And like when you're waiting oh, on man. that kind of information, it's just like so heavy and you're just like, I don't know. Every day is crucial. Yeah. Yeah. And because you, you never know. It's just like, uh, ultimately, they think he had a rare autoimmune disease called sarcoidosis. Um, and, and it affects a lot of people in a lot of very different ways. Some people, it affects their lungs. Other people, it affects like their liver and, and multiple organs and stuff like that. And it was just like, you know, my brother and I, my brother is six years older than, than me. We were like, I don't know what to do. And, and unfortunately, like my mom passed away like 10 years ago. So ah, like, I'm sorry so it was just like, too. my mom had brain cancer. She had a brain tumor ah. and she also was at Yale for a while, but, um, trying to like go through this kind of thing a second time, just my brother and I, it was just like very heavy. Um, and like, yeah, again, like this brewery thing that I was trying to do in the background, I was like, that isn't important right now. Like I need to just like focus on, my life and, and my family and, and stuff like that. And, sure. um, yeah, that was like, and very, very sobering moments, not to get like all like 
somber on on the podcast, but it's like no, this is real life. It is, and it's and, like and how do you get the, through it? This is one of the things about the show. Like we're all about just being real and and open and and whatever, whatever it is. I mean, we we go through so many different things in life, and I feel like if it could be out there and someone can relate to it and be like, you know, I went through something just like that. Yeah. You know that that's what this is all about, man. It's it's crazy. I mean, and and just like working through that whole thing, and to really like put the fly in the ointment for me was that like, so my birthday is May twenty fifth. Uh, my dad went to the hospital. I think it was uh, May seventh or eighth. It was Saturday before um, Mother's Day, and uh, you know I would go try to see him as much as I could, but uh, COVID restrictions and stuff like that being what they are you can't go visit people in the hospital. Like they can only have like two visitors a day or something like that. And I remember it was the day before my birthday. I got a phone call and they were like, uh, like, yeah. Um, so your dad has COVID now and they're like, he got it from his roommate and things should be okay. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. So I, I was like, all right, well just keep me posted. I ended up getting COVID. Actually, my wife got COVID. My daughter got COVID. I was going around the house with like an N95 mask, like sleeping in a different room because I was like, I can't go visit my dad if I get sick. And um, eventually, like, I got it and I I couldn't go go to the hospital for like 10 days or something like that. And uh, yeah, by the time I was cleared to go back, he was pretty bad and you know, it was like one of those things where my brother and I were sitting in a room and we're like, yeah, this is, this ain't the way to go. And, uh, yeah, life, life, life gives you really hard decisions to make, you know? Yeah. It is tough times, tough circumstances, tough things that you have to yeah. like, you have to, you have like, to live through and, and see. And, and, and it was crazy, and man. This is like, and again, not, not to be too grim, but I mean, this is the second time in my life that I had to like stop treatment and go like uh, palliative care for a parent. It was just like, it was like a lot of like heavy stuff coming back. It was like, Oh man, like I, and, and, and the real killer of all of it for me was that like, my dad was rooting for me so fucking hard to like, like have the brewery come together. And he, every time I talk to him, how's the brewery coming along? Where are you at? They're going to happen. Is the money there yet? Blah, blah, blah. And like, all he wanted to do was like, see me have it like there. And like, you know, I know like he and my mom are always kind of like, upstairs, like, you know, in my head and, of course. and they're where they're with me. Like that's part of like my brand is that like, um, Eredita actually means like legacy in Italian and, and, and so cool. Uh, I'm like an Italian American, um, person and trying to just like embrace all of the like things that I guess at the time or in the moment that you think are small things or maybe trivial learnings or whatever but they're actually like really big and important. And like, that's what I'm trying to channel into these beers is that like all those little things and all those little life lessons really actually do matter. And and it's coming forward and coming true in my beer that I'm making. Um, that's awesome, man. But yeah, that was like crazy times. And that's like, I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm pulling the plug. I'm pulling the plug on, uh, doing the whole project in Litchfield County. I need to just like reset myself. Uh, and I'll never forget like the few, like, I guess I would say like three or four weeks after my dad passed away, it was like pretty dark place. Like really, really tried hard to extricate myself from it. Um, 
<clears throat> one it's of not, the it's not e- yeah it's not easy <clears throat> no like no no um you know it's like i i went for a physical recently and my doctor was like you know i don't think you've actually even like had an opportunity to grieve your father's loss yet she's like you've just been go 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 like you know because i was still going back and forth to vermont when he passed away after he passed away and like i was still doing back and forth to vermont and then i decided to start a brand of beer I just like, and, and I have a, a three-year-old who like, I'm kind of like stay at home dad a lot. So it was like the downtime was really never really happened, but like the, the, I guess I would say like the three weeks or so after he, he passed away were really kind of hard. And yeah, it was, it was during that time too. Like uh, one of the last days that he was still at the hospital, I ended up going to 12% beer project after, uh, Cause I was like, you know what, this is, this shit's heavy. I need to like, I'm going to go have a beer and kind of like chill out. And as I was like walking in, um, Alex and Brian and and Bridget who own 12% were like walking in the facility. Uh, they had just had lunch or something. And as I was walking in, I saw them and they were like, Oh, how's it going? Like, what's going on? And obviously like I was kind of in a somber mood and, uh, you know, they were like, well, you know, if there's anything we can do or, or whatever, just let us know. And that kind of like, for me, open, opened the door a bit to be like, okay, you know, I don't necessarily have to open a brewery like brick and mortar in order to like keep, keep being active and keep being a, a, a contributing member of, of like the brewing community or whatever. And, you know, uh, through a number of conversations and stuff, like came to find out that it actually was like a bit simpler to get going than I thought it would be. And, you know, they, they've been like, they have been really, really wonderful partners in this whole thing. Um, the whole way by giving me the opportunity to kind of go in and do things quote unquote, my way, you know, it was funny as we, when we were just chatting a little earlier about how like the secret sauce and stuff like that, it's like, they're letting me do as much of the process as I want to do is as I want to. And that's great for me because that's allowing me to like, I'm making all the, all of my own work. I'm like moving a lot of my own beer, dry hopping my own beers. And, um, that part there to me is my connection to the beer. And again, it's, it's super hard when you're like starting out and like making recipes and stuff like to dial things in. It's like, you need to be very engaged, very attuned to what's going on around you. And, uh, they've been more than, uh, accommodating in, in the respect of like letting me be very dogmatic and very hands-on with like everything that I'm doing there. So, so I started, I started making work there in, uh, October and uh, Papa pills, which you, which you had, which, which October pa- of 2022, 2022. Yeah. Just recent, very recent, like a couple months ago, <laughs> like Papa pills is, um, so, so the whole name Papa Pills is kind of like a double entendre, I guess. It's like, my last name is Papalo. Um, but like my dad's favorite kind of beer, I mean, over the years, my dad got to try some very rare and obscure beers because of my ability to have access to them. His favorite styles were always like Pilsners and Lager. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a beer that my dad would have wanted to drink. And so it's either Papa Pills, if it's like, an homage to me or Papa pills. If it's an homage to my dad. And, uh, that is awesome. That was the, that was the first one I made. Uh, and, and you know, again, it's all like a, a refinement and a dialing in process. It's really hard to like, just nail it right out of the gate without 
uh, having any like metrics or data data points to like make decisions on, but, um, I'm going to continue to just like refine these beers to a point that, uh, like the drinkability is high, uh, the flavor is there and that like, you know, people, people, people want to drink them. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's a, it's been a really, really crazy ride though. Yeah. Like, so all this time you've had these ups, you've had these downs. Um, like we were saying before life, you know, life happened. Um, there were good moments, there were hard moments. And I feel like that's going to be, you know, any person's story for sure. But what a, what an incredible story coming from, you know, where you were when you first started out in 2013 (laughs) to, to where you are today, the, the lessons learned, life lessons, all that stuff. And it's so cool to see it all culminate into what you're doing right now at 12%. And, you know, having left, you know, your father passed, you come to 12% and like, here's this opportunity, almost like he's looking down, like, here you go. Like, yeah, let, let's, you know, crazy how things like that happen. It, it, it really is, man. And, and now you have Iridita. Ir- 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 and, 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 and like, it's so awesome, man. We had the, um, we had the soft launch for the, the brand. Um, I guess it would have been the first week in November or so. And, uh, this, <clears throat> this woman, uh, who, who's like a, uh, uh, a beer writer, Melissa Jones. She, uh, she happened to, to be there at the facility on the, on the night that I had the soft launch. And, you know, I, I brought a picture of my dad with me to, uh, to that, that particular event because, and, and occasionally I'll bring it around with me, but like, yeah, it was just like my way of, uh, including him, even though he wasn't there in the physical form, you know? And, uh, she was able to grab a picture of like me holding it. And it just like, I just meant a lot to me to be able to capture that moment because it was like, yeah, he is here, you know, my mom too, even like it's, uh, you know, it's crazy, man. Losing both your parents before you're like 40 years old is like, it's, it's nuts. I mean, like my mom was like 60, my dad was 70. Like it's, it's all like super heavy, heavy stuff. And you're like, I guess, you know, when you're, my mom was 60. Yeah, when you're when you're when you're like young, you're like, oh, they're gonna be around forever, and then oh yeah, oh yeah, when you're young, it's like oh you know yeah, my mom passed they'll be, away. They'll be here forever. Yeah. They'll, they'll never leave. She all pa- of a sudden, she passed away when I was like 29, and I was just like yeah, I was like, I mean, I devastated. I was I was a mama's boy. I always have been. I probably always will be. But like, it was it was just super, super hard to like go through that. Yeah. I was 28, 29 when my mom passed. It's just like, man. And then you like, and then it's like, I flashed forward like 10, almost like almost exactly 10 years. And it was just like, can't believe I'm going through this again. Like, um, and you know, the, the biggest like crush for me on all of this was that like my, I mean, my dad absolutely adored my daughter so much. And like, I don't know, man, again, like the whole pandemic part of it, like it, it isolated people so much. And like my daughter was born, as I mentioned earlier, like 2019, October, uh, for like, we went to Christmas Eve actually at at marketplace in Newtown on, in 2019. It was like the first time my daughter had like, she was still like size of like a peanut. Uh, it was the first time we brought her out anywhere that happened. Then like, like two months later, it was like everything closed and like, we didn't see anybody. I mean, that's what you were told to do is like, oh, you got to stay home. Yeah, and like, it was a difficult time. It was. And like, you know, she, um, he, he adored her so much. And then like 
in in February, I guess it must have been a 2022 last last about pretty much like about a year ago, like right now. Um, he came to come visit us, and he had actually had COVID like previously, like he was over it or whatever. But man, it's super hard when you see your 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 parents like lose a lot of weight and like you're like mm, something's not right there and try to advocate for them, try to give them like advice uh, or whatever. But like, <laughs> there's no playbook for dealing with that stuff during a pandemic. Like, no, of course it's, not. It's just, you try to try to support them as the, as they would support you. And, yeah. Um, do the best you can. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's been a really weird couple of years, man. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't oh, agree more. God. I've, uh, it's it's interesting how our stories almost kind of yeah. are aligned a little bit. Not you know not fully. I mean you know thankfully I, I you know my dad's still kicking around. Like yeah. I said, he's in Hamden. Yeah, right right near twelve like, percent, right, which right, is kind right, of interesting in itself. Just, right right down the down the street. From yeah, there. which is kind of interesting in itself. And um, but uh, yeah, and uh, I I it's it's cool it's cool you shared that story about you know bringing the picture of your dad. My I, I played baseball, was a really good baseball player, played in high school, played travel, like all these different things. And my mom loved coming and see me play no matter what it was. And of course, you know, after high school and college, I sort of fell out of the whole, um, you know, playing uh, at certain levels. Because when, once you get to a certain point, there really aren't any other type of leagues to be in right. other than like beer softball leagues. Right, or, like, right, 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 right. or if you really want to like be in like amateur leagues and try to like hold your own with all these like savages that are yeah. still playing and still are in top shape. And um, so I play softball with a team called the Smoking Bunts. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we have a great time. We're all mostly Newtown kids who came together to play in Danbury. And last year we won the um, we won the summer uh, and the fall. And uh, you know, champions, Def- defending cha- champs, champions of both. So this year yeah. is going to be really fun and interesting. And we can't wait. But one thing I do is, um, you know, my mom would come no matter what it was. I played softball for Carolusi's Markets, okay, um, uh, for almost a decade, 10, yeah. almost ten years, and she would come to those. So what I do is I play short. So I go out to short. I write her name and the uh, dirt. I put awesome. a heart. I put a heart around it. I say a couple of things to myself. I mean, yeah. And then I'm like, let's go. Those and I are just the things, di- and man. I just dial in, and anything that comes my way, all I can think is like my mom in in the you know in the in the stands, because she used to like it, if a ball came to me and it got by. She used to like, I could hear her yelling like, come on, like, what is that? You know? <laughs> yeah. So like whenever something comes my way, I basically throw my body at it. Yeah. I mean, I still feel to. like, I still feel like she's watching and I can't let her down. Yeah, so, man. So it's, yeah. It's, so it's, I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. It's a, uh, yeah. Like, like we're way too young to be having like these kinds of conversations. <laughs> of sucks. course. Like, of what course. The hell? Yeah, of course. But like, but, yeah, it's just, but, hey, man. that that's, I mean, that is the whole Eredita is just like the legacy. I mean, you know, trying, you know, that's another thing too, that's like really challenging is, is like when you're trying to come up with your name and your branding and all of these things, like, yeah, it was probably a little bit of a like leap of faith to, to pick like a foreign word or a foreign name. But like, I think, um, it's more about like the meaning of it and like what it means. And if like people, Always. people, don't understand what it means. Um, that's why I was, I, I was curious. I, and I was going to ask you, yeah. but I'm glad we organically got to, yeah, to this, I mean, this point and had the, these awesome, I, you know, I, I made sure to, uh, like on, on every can, it says, uh, Eredita is the Italian translation of the word legacy coming from an Italian American family, honoring our heritage as much as 
as much about the past as it is the future. Erudita is the actualization of teachings instilled within us through life experience, self-cultivation, and most importantly, the values bestowed upon us by our family and friends. Wow. And that's it. You know, wow. like that's um, that's beautiful, man. And beautiful. That's that's all it is. Like I'm just trying to like, and you know, I've had some great friends over the years, but like just trying to like keep the legacy there, keep um the spirit alive of the people that aren't here anymore. And like, yeah, I'm gonna do it through beer. I'm gonna make oh, some great man. beer while I do it. You know what I'm saying? I love it, like, dude. and I got to get some merch. I love that oh, shirt. Oh man, yeah, I got to grab some I'm, merch. I am working on it. It's uh, yeah. Oh man, it's crazy. So like, talking a little bit about Eredita now, like, uh, so it's contract brewing, right? Like, I'm I'm going to twelve percent like a couple times a month, making my own work, doing all the beers. Like, I'm there for QC on everything, um, <laughs> for better or worse. Uh, love it. But like. That's my connection, man. My name is on the the package. Like I want to make sure it's like exactly the way I want it to be. And, um, or like within, within my standards, I guess exactly the way it should be is like, that's, that's a bit too precise, but there's so much variability involved, but, um, having it be like within that, like acceptable range for me is like super important. And I'm going there like, uh, like for instance, today, uh, they usually don't have folks in on the weekend. I went in and checked the gravity on my beer that I brewed on Wednesday. Uh, I checked, you know, I mailed nice. off a bottle of uh, a collaboration I did with, with Vasilios from, uh, from Vermont, uh, nice. to see how that's tasting and, and just like really just keeping my thumb on as much of it as possible. But then at the same token, what nobody sees is that like, I'm like stay at home dad, like multiple days a week. Uh, so I have my, my three-year-old daughter now she's three almost three going on 30, man. She's like, she's so smart and like, it's crazy the That's way awesome. kids develop and stuff. And like, Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, she's a, but it's like, I'm stay at home dad and like stay home. Dad's a lot of work. Oh yeah. It's a job. Like it's a, it's a job. And, uh, you know, it's like, I'm shuttling her to school, like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and trying to schedule like my brews around, like when we have like a little bit of childcare and which, I'll also say this much too, man. Childcare is really hard to find like, like good babysitters and stuff like that. And, um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard work a, but then B finding somebody that you actually trust. Yeah. I can't to, imagine to bring yeah. your kid to. And yeah. like, I don't know. So that's a lot. Yeah. So in, in one respect, it's like super stressful, but in the other respect, it's like, well, if she's with me, at least, at least I know like how much of a, like, you know, wild wild child i am or was whatever right like right can kind of keep it under under wraps a bit but she's <laughs> i don't know man it's 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 being a parent's like really hard and then also trying to like run a business while you're being a parent is also really hard yeah so it's like you know i'm trying my best to keep up on like you know talking about things like merch i'm I want to get more, uh, you know, get some more t-shirts together, get some, I actually found some glassware I really like, but yeah, it all just takes time. It's, it's crazy. As I've gotten older too, I've realized like how little time there really is. And it's like, okay, need my like punch list for the day and like crush it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. But, 
Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. But that that's great, man. That's awesome. And yeah. and you've only been around for a few months, you know, a handful of months and you're already off to a great start. I know that they're having a hard time keeping the stock, uh, the shelf stocked with your with your beer, which is a tremendous thing to to have. And it's like a good problem. And for the people listening, uh, so what are the offerings you have right now that people could possibly find out in stores? Out, if, out in stores, if, now. They're not if, if it's there, over, yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess I'll go from light to dark. Um, Papa Pills, like uh, unfiltered German style Pilsner with uh, Tetanang and and middle fruit hops. It's got like a really nice like bready kind of like uh lemony light lightness to it and it's crystal clear um nice bright like slight bitterness and acidity really really clean drinking pilsner um incredible peacherine ipa which is uh oh, that, oh yeah. we had that before the, that is insane that yeah. is an insane beer it's one uh, of the crazier things i've had in a while and one of the better tasting ipas i think i've had in quite some time it's 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 a really nice hop and I'm, I'm glad that the folks at freestyle hops in, in New Zealand are going to continue to work on that one. Yeah. Um, shout out to freestyle hops. Yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, their hops really are the best. Uh, I think that's like the, the, the Nelson, um, the zeal with the Nelson that you just tried was also the, the same farm. And, so um, good. It, it's like, it's some other level, but yeah, peacherine IPA has kind of got like apricot peach, like lime notes and like, Kind of just overall tropical kind of thing. Going on. And there's no fruit in it. No fruit. And you would have, you wouldn't even know. No like, fruit, no fruit. And it's like you six, even know. six and a half percent alcohol. So like good. just nice light drinkability. Then, uh, there's zeal with Nelson, uh, which, um, also freestyle hops, Nelson, uh, which is double IPA, which this batch here is, it's the second batch of that particular beer. And I'm really, really up on it because, um, I had an opportunity to brew it once, figure out all the things I hated about the first batch of it, <laughs> like be kind of like that, like, um, you know, your own, your own worst critic sort of thing a bit, but like in the same respect, like refine it. And, um, the second batch of it, I think the drinkability is even higher and, and to be like really truthful, the first batch was too sweet. Um, like with beer, like it's all about like gravity and stuff like that. And, it's just, it just finished too sweet and I didn't like it, but a lot of people did, I guess. Um, but I dried it out. Yeah. Sweet IPAs. I have a hard time with, I used to really like, but lately I have a hard, hard time with, and I feel like sometimes, uh, that happens mostly with like citra IPAs. Sometimes you get a little too much of the, the citra or something like that. But. Yeah. It's, um, all, all the hops are like a little bit tricky. Cause like citra is not as good as it used to be. Right. Um, Galaxy is... That used to be like the number one. Yeah. Citra, 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 citra. Galaxy is definitely not what it used to be. Um, Like, you know, a lot of people have reached out to me and been like, are you going to make a beer with Galaxy? And like, I mean, maybe this is the first place I'm going to say it, but it's like, not until the Galaxy is good. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) I... I, um, I just not super crazy about the way it like performs in in a lot of beer. And uh, it's... Again, like if you're making a thousand gallons of it, like you got to be able to be pretty confident about what you're doing. And if like, you're not like all that keen on like how it's going to perform, try to minimize the risk and like not use it until you know it's like good. You remind me of a past guest of the show, Pierre Luigi Mozzella. He's from an island in Italy called Ischia and he won Baker of the Year this year. Um, And he, he gets the best ingredients from all over the world. 
and he settles for nothing less than the best, and that's all he'll do. And there's a reason why he's doing yeah. as good as he is, and he's he's killing it right now. And, yeah, uh, and it's because he only accepts the best ingredients when he does his uh, his breads and his thing. It's, so. I mean, it's <clears throat> right. It's the so there you go, the Italian hair. You know, <laughs> there you go. It's 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 like, um, yeah. Ro- I mean, we're we're basically like transforming these raw ingredients into things, right? And if not to be too crude, but if there's shit going in, then it's going to be shit coming out. <laughs> right. Right. Of course. Of so course. it's that's like, just, that's just, uh, you know, that's just how it is. That's, that's how, how it is. Yeah. That's, the, that's the way it is. Yeah. And, um, yeah, with a lot of, uh, with a lot of these beers, it's like just trying to like really refine some of those things. I mean, I try, I'm trying like my best to like minimize off flavors. I'm trying to maximize like drinkability and, and the mouthfeel. Um, like we and, were talk- and mouthfeel is like huge, you know? And that's like, I don't know. That's like the secret sauce a little bit. I can't believe that the flavors and the taste that come out of your beers, the smell. Oh man. It's, cr- it's crazy to me. It's, I mean, and I, like I told you before, you know, if you would hand me your beer and not tell me it was yours, I would have thought it was, you know, Alchemist, you know, Hill Farmstead, you know, the best, like we yeah. were saying the best of the best. Yeah. That's what I would have thought your beers were. And there's no surprise why they're flying because it's, it's really good stuff. It's, like, it's, your attention to detail, your quality control, you can tell, and the love, man, and the you passion. should see, you, you should can see. tell, you, you can should, tell. <laughs> you should come down for a brew day someday. You see, I would love like, to. I've you, actually, I've never seen a brew day. I've seriously? Never been, I would, oh, I would man. be honored. I would yeah, be honored. Yeah, you can, uh, we'll, we'll, after, after this, we'll figure something I'll out. I'll take a day off work. Sorry, it's, work. Uh, <laughs> well, I brew a lot of my beer on the weekend though. Oh, perfect. So like never a lot of work, we're good. Like a lot of, um, <laughs> so like, because I want to be like so involved in like what I'm doing, um, a lot of times I'm like down there on either like a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, oh, that'd be so fun. Just because it's like, you know, there's, there's nobody else really there. Uh, I kind of have like the space to really like nerd out a bit on the things that are all important. And just like, it's like sort of very therapeutic to me to like be there and like brewing it kind of like, I don't want to say solo, but like without like a whole bunch of other hustle and bustle shit going on, you know? I would- I would love to see it. It would be oh, cool. Dude. I'm actually planning on hopefully soon starting like a little like Instagram reel series where, like where I go hang out with the guests and, I've had on the and show and see what they do or do like a, how post they do a little it. reel about what they do and how they do it, what oh, a day is like. That'd be cool. So yeah, absolutely. Sign me up. Yeah. Sign me yep. up. Number one right here. Aradita, number one. <laughs> Sign um, me up. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's been a really, really interesting road though. And uh, I'm super, super grateful for like so many people along the way. Like, um, this, I, I think about like my, my wife particularly, I mean, she's like long distance, like relationships with me for like yeah. two, two stints now, sort of like, it's crazy. And obviously like my parents, shout out to your wife. She seems dope. Oh, she's, she she's seems awesome. Killer. She's awesome. <laughs> she is great. That's what you need, man. Yeah. She That's is. What you need. She someone, is like, who, someone who believes in you knows what you knows what you can do and, and trust that like, it's all going to come it, together. It's That's, crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like, uh, it's awesome. I'm very lucky, you know. It's funny. Yeah, you are. I, I, you're a lucky guy. <laughs> I got to tell you what, like, it's, it was serendipitous when we met. But you're a good guy, so I feel it goes hand in hand. She uh, she bumped into me uh, at a bar in New Haven on St. Patrick's Day parade day in like 2007, and that was like how we met. Like, I spilled I spilled Guinness or something on my shoes, and was like, "Who bumped into me?" And I turned around, like, "Oh, you seem quite lovely," you know. And then like, yeah, like that was what 15 years ago or something like that it's like crazy wow. like as i've gotten older like time just seems to be like 
like f- just yeah. operating in a vacuum, man. I'm going to Haven tonight. So funny you say that. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you going? Uh, Cafe Nine. My buddy has a band in Mass- uh, that's in Massachusetts in the uh, Newton area of Massachusetts. Okay. Oh yeah, what am and I- they're they're coming down to do a show with a couple other groups at Cafe mm-hmm. Nine. They're going on around ten o'clock. What uh, what so, type of music is it? Uh, it's like um, I would call it like a like indie 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 music okay. type of music. Um, uh, heavy heavy ish like yeah. I don't know. They're they're hard to describe because the type of music they're doing is just it's awesome and it, and it kind of varies into a bunch of different genres. So it's too hard. It, it's a little hard to define. But they're they're called Pet Fox. Okay, and they're located in uh in Boston, the Boston area. The Boston area. And they're incredible. They're some of the most talented musicians from Connecticut and from the Newtown area. Yeah. Um, two of the guys, Morgan and Theo. They're they're from the Newtown area. In fact, Theo's uh, brother John is the guy who runs the softball team that I play for. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it's like a you know, it's all like we're, comes we're, together. We're townies. We're yeah, townies, that's you know? okay, man. And they're up and and they went to Berkeley, both of them. Oh, so yeah, graduated they're like Berkeley, classically trained. And they're and then, oh, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. they they play. They're multi instrumentalists. You know, they can sing. They can yeah. do everything. You know, perfect pitch. You name it. So. That's, yeah. They got it. So Pet Fox, definitely, if you're listening to this, check them out. Morgan actually does the post-production and the music for the show. So all the music on the podcast is, okay. done, by, is done by Morgan, and people love it. And Rock there's, on. There's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason. But, but yeah, great guys. Going to go see him tonight at Cafe 9, and Cafe 9 is awesome. an institution for uh, is under, underground Is that the one that's like, kind of like out like... Uh... I think it's near Bar. It's been a while, like Bar Pizza. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. Uh, um, the, I'm trying the, to think. The I used to go to New Haven so much, and now yeah. like I haven't been there like in ages until like I went to Micha last week. Right yeah, over. New Haven is tremendous. Yeah. Um, I have so many friends out there that have different places. Um, of course, a friend of the show, Johnny Krasuski, oh, who yeah. has Armada Brewing yeah, Company. Yeah. So shout out to him. Yeah. Um, I know he's not directly in the New Haven area, but he's he's close. He took um, me actually to uh, Two Roads, like area two, at some point, like. Yeah, Two Roads is something. It's like a college campus of beer. What the hell was that? <laughs> that's what I that's what I call it, Two Roads. Uh, it must have been like maybe like 2018 or something. It was He's like a great right guy. right after Area Two opened. Uh, uh, he and his wife, I think. He's yes. married. Yes. Yes. They had. Well, come- he's, get, he's getting married. Okay. He's getting married soon. I don't think he's married yet. He is. He is engaged though. And congratulations, Johnny. I know yes. I haven't talked to you. <laughs> I know that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. They uh, they were at Hill Farmstead at one point, and then I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to be in Connecticut this yeah. weekend. He's like, oh. Alexandria, yeah. You want to go check out Area 2? And, like, I mean, being, like, overseeing all the wild beer at Hill Farmstead for five years, pretty much, I was like, yeah, I'd love to see Area yeah. 2. And you know, he set it up, and I, gosh, I can't even remember. Man, it's like five years ago. Phil Markowski. Phil. Two dude. roads. Legend. You know there's, like, an Instagram account that's, like, the fake The fake Phil. Phil. <laughs> yeah yeah yep i follow he, fake phil the fake phil doesn't like my artwork on my labels <laughs> oh, no. oh he does he's like oh he did a like, review you know you know it's just like one of these things he's like oh i like the label and like almost kind of like it's what whatever dude like yeah i've hit the point uh now where i'm just like yeah people are gonna say whatever the hell they want i'm not gonna engage with it because like what am i gonna gain out of it and just like let it go you know like you know, really interesting thing to me in, in, in craft beer particularly is, um, like untapped, right? Like untapped is one of those things that <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it could be an incredibly useful tool if it was like reworked or redesigned or something like that. I think the fact that it's like, 
there's no moderator on it or anything like that kind of minimizes any sort of value though, that it like sort of portrays to some degree. I don't know. Sure. It's like, it's, it's weird, right? Like as a brewer, my ratings are, and not, and like not to get too much into it, but it's like, my ratings are like weighted because I'm new. So they're like, they're lowering my score because I'm newer or whatever. But if you're like a new account, that's like rating, there's no weight to like the fact that you're new. Right. I don't know. It's weird stuff. I think it could. Well, I love it. It could be like a super useful tool though for brewers. I love it. I gave you five stars. Oh, thank you. I gave you five stars. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) I usually don't rate, but if I, but if I really like it, I give it five. And if I don't, I don't rate. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. I just want to check in to be like, because it's also helpful to check in to keep, uh, to remind yourself like that, you, a record. that you had it. Yeah. Cause like sometimes I'll forget. I mean, there's so many beers. Sometimes I forget <sighs> yeah. and I'll be like, man, I really like that one. I remember I had it like a few weeks ago What the heck and I'll check called? out my untapped and I'll scroll down and be like, yeah. Oh, that's what it is. And yeah. like Absolutely. find out that, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it's not, you know, in production anymore, which is an interesting thing. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I actually like when they show that because then it's like, all right, then never mind. Yeah. I'm probably not going to get that. Yeah. <laughs> like it's but never going to have it again. But I have talked to a lot of brewers and I do understand where you're coming from, where it's like, you know, it's like the rating system is kind of like, it's your opinion. It's your preference. It's not based on actual, like, um, you know, that person being a, a master, An like Cicerone or, or whatever, like a, yeah. yeah, like a master brewer, like yeah. someone who really knows their stuff, someone who travels around the country to like, um, uh, uh, you know, do beer, contest yeah, and for sure you know what i mean yeah because like we had the beer trekker on the on the podcast and he travels across the country with with phil markowski to help uh um be a, a taste tester for for big time events and stuff like that yeah and like yeah if you had a moderator like that who could actually like rate the beer better so you get the expert review and then you get the, the public <coughs> it's, opinion it's kind of like connecticut magazine it's, has like the reader's right. choice and Ex- then like the experts, and then the experts uh, exactly whatever yes yes exactly yeah so i do a so there, I do agree on both sides. It can yeah. be good. It can be bad. It's got that like little. It's a little bit of a, a back and forth. Yeah. But but I totally get. I totally get. I. I try 100%. not to look at it though too much oh, though because I'm just like you know no, what. There's no like, need to. The only reason I look at it is like I'm like okay. Um, primarily for me at least is like okay if if there's some major flaw that I haven't picked up on. Sure. It probably would come out in the first hundred reviews or something like sure. that. But um. Other than that, it's just kind of just trying to see like where beer is like, like, like for instance, I've <clears throat> working with 12% and it's like pretty awesome to see that like my beer is on it, like Grand Delancey in New York city, which is probably like wow the best <laughs> beer bar in New York city yeah, or, or, or wherever it may be. And just 100%. like, you know, the other, the other thing that like kind of, I don't want to say tweaks me out a bit, but like when I know a beer is like two months old or three months old and the keg is just getting tapped or whatever. And I'm like, well, the beer is probably not optimal right now, but like, let's see how people rate it. And, you know, if you I think if you follow good practices in your production, uh, you can kind of minimize some of those risks, uh, enhance or like extend the shelf stability of it to some degree. And love it. Yeah, man. I don't know. Like, what else would you like people to know about Eridita? Anything? Oh, Because uh, this has been a great conversation, and, and I, th- yeah. I think we're about ready to wrap up. So yeah. just, is there I anything, mean, anything else you want people to know? Um, I just, I guess, like... Website, the, where they can find you, how they I mean, can get in touch. So, yeah, can, yeah. Uh, we have EriditaBeer.com is uh, is up and running. I'm 
continuously working with a, a web designer to try yeah. to like get it dialed in a bit better so that like when I'm adding new beers or releasing new things, it's like easy to uh, get it on online as far as like publishing that information. And we'll drop the link to your uh, website in, uh, yeah. in, the, in the description of this podcast. That's awesome. I mean, and like on the homepage we have a, um, it's like you can sign up for like a mailing list that I'm like, I am like tirelessly trying to put together like a, a quarterly sort of like newsletter of like what's gone on, what's coming. It's just a matter of like uh, getting it out there. Uh, and then, yeah, I just as I guess as far as like forward look is concerned. Um, yeah. We're going to continue to make beer that like people, people really like to drink high drinkability. You know, I have this vision of possibly doing like a rattler over the summer. I don't know if you're familiar yes. with the style. Like I'm looking Please at do. maybe doing like a, something in like a grapefruit Rattler or something oh, like that, like three awesome. percent low alcohol. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I think low ABV is <laughs> in, man. It is. It is. And like you know, it's all about like when you're doing low ABV. It's I I kind of look at low B, low ABV sort of in the same lens that I do Pilsner or like lager beer, and it's like they're delicate beers that need to kind of just be really refined and um, very well executed because if you have flaws, they'll show very easily. There's, there's not as much to hide behind, but yeah, I mean, you know, we're going to continue to make, um, you know, Papa pills has got a 60 barrel batch of that, like hopefully in the pipeline pretty soon. And yeah, we're, we're the longer term vision too, of like having a destination for folks that they can visit outside of the the great relationship I have with 12% somewhere in Litchfield County um, is something that I'm really, really excited about because for a really long time now, I've been planning a brewery for probably like six years, like, <laughs> like to have it kind of fall apart like twice. I think we're third time's a charm, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and really just focusing on like a true holistic experience that kind of like, when somebody walks away down the road two years from now or three years from now, they're like, man, that was, I'll never forget that. And that's like what I'm shooting for. That's so. awesome. That is so great. Yeah. Eredita Brewing Company, yeah. currently brewing out of 12% Brewing Company, but have their sights set on the future of having their own spot in Litchfield County, which is super great for me because I'm right next to Litchfield County. So there it is. I, I love it. Absolutely love it. And I know yeah. Litchfield County could use another tremendous brewery. Um, it gets a little sparse up in that area. For sure. Um, of course, Kent Falls is yeah. comes, comes to mind first because I absolutely love them. But man, to have another great brewery, great individual and someone who's putting so much pride and passion and, and family love and history into their beer is just so refreshing and it's so great to get your story and I'm so glad we got the exclusives uh, of it because it's great, man. Yeah, and um, just uh. hearing your rise from where you were to where you are now, that's what <sighs> yeah. the show's all about. Like learning why it is that people go through their journeys, you know, the reasons behind them, the drive, the passion, the energy, the ups, the downs, like people need to hear those things. And it's, we heard it's it today real. and like, it's, it's life, real life. Life is real. I guess it's like fitting then that like we finish on the beer that I call like gratitude practice <laughs> so there we go i feel uh, like this whole thing was meant to be yeah um so. we we align so much and and, and we're going to end on on gratitude practice and tell them what what is this beer like yeah so gratitude practice is a uh it's a robust porter that i made so um marisotter malt is the base which i guess is like kind of considered like the cadillac of of malt uh and it's got like subtle notes of uh 
campfire, uh, molasses. Oh, um, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> and like, just like really thick, dense, like uh, foam that kind of would look like what you would see for crema on like a latte or something like that. And uh, excellent, nice and rich. But like, it's also, it's like seven and a half percent, but it's like, again, high drinkability, clean. And uh, it's exactly what we're going for. And grat- Beautiful. Gratitude practice, man. I can't wait. All so right. listen, one question I ask my guests before they leave me, and okay. I've been doing it for three seasons now, okay. is the New Haven pizza question. We all know that Connecticut, especially New Haven, has the best pizza in the country. Clearly. I don't want to hear about anything else. I want to <laughs> hear about Chicago. I don't want to hear about New York. I don't want to hear about it. And I apologize to everyone because I love New York and I love New York pizza. But when you're in New Haven... Or you get a chance to go up there. I know you were up there recently, but you were, you know, you were up there for different reasons. Yeah. When you were up there for pizza and just being in Connecticut in general, I'm sure you've had a decent amount of pizza from New Haven. You must have. So when you're in New Haven, what do you think is the best pizza out of all the different locations, the parties, uh, Pepe's, Modern, Bar? Um, I'm sure I'm missing a couple, but Sally's. You, Sally's, correct. Oh my God, that's wow. Sa- I mean, like, Sa- I feel like I feel Sally's like I should just probably. I feel like I should move out of the state now that I forgot about forgot Sally's. Sally's. Like, yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, what is your favorite, and what are some other pizza places or restaurants that you enjoy going to in your local area or man. just in general? Yeah, so I would say Sally's. I think is 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 my jam. <laughs> you got it's it. funny. You forgot like the one that yeah. I know. I'm like, how can I forget uh, that? But. Um, yeah, no. I, I mean, I like when. When Vasilios came down from Vermont, I brought him to Sally's because he had heard legends of like New Haven pizza and all that stuff. And I think like, I guess part of it sort of depends on what you're like looking for out of the pie. Uh, like Pepe's clam pie is obviously it's its thing. You know what I'm saying? But if I'm going like, oh, now you got me wondering. But like, I think Sally's is probably my jam. Yeah, I go Sally's uh, all day. Actually, I'll go all day Sally's. And as far as like, like, uh, so I'm up in Woodbury and uh, we have a really, really good spot up there. Um, it's called the 1754 house. Okay. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Um, yeah. It used to be the Curtis house or something like that. And uh, chef over there is doing some really, yeah, they, really, they do cocktail competitions, right? I think so. It's it's Where really. Where is it again? It's in Woodbury. Oh, Woodbury. Okay, never mind. No, I'm thinking somewhere else. I'm thinking somewhere in Brantford. I think. Um, never mind. Never mind. But in any event, cool. they're Very they're cool. like the chef there used to do. Um, I want to say he worked at like the Four Seasons somewhere in like Boston, and like just has like a really really good thing going on. And it's, I mean, as far as like where we're we're located, it's really quite nice. Um, and pizza, Vermont. People always keep telling me Pizzeria Ida. Oh yeah, is, I've, I've heard it's ing- I've heard it's the jam. I actually never have gotten over there, but my buddy who's like super into like New Haven pizza, and he was like, "You got to go to Ida." He's like, he's getting his cheese from like. Yeah, like, when I was up there, everyone was like, "Oh, you got to stop, you got to stop." But when I stopped, like they were just too it, the line slammed. It, it was unbelievable. Yeah. So I just I couldn't. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess like I don't know. It's it's so funny though. You like go back to some places from like when you were a kid or whatever, and like. I don't know. I grew up in Meriden, right? Uh, there was a place in Wallingford, Napoli Pizza, that was like, yeah, you know Napoli, yeah. Oh man, is it still? Good? I haven't been there. I don't know, home, but like, but I I'm remember like, it. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> it's so funny. Like, we used to, um, we used to go like blue crabbing and fishing and stuff down in, in in the brackish water of like Long Island Sound, and we actually, as a family, we would like trade them like 
bags of like blue crabs and stuff and they would give us like free pizzas and stuff like that's that. awesome that was man. great like, <laughs> yeah things like that i don't think go on anymore, that's great maybe, but yeah and we're about to head to good old days soon so oh, dude i am like talking about am, pizza i need some good they're old mentioned days. on every episode of the show and i i sometimes i don't mean to sometimes i just like to brag about how like we got the best pizza over here no but so sometimes that's what it is and just the fact that i love those guys so much they're so awesome but um but there's great it's, places around here too, like even not pizza related, like JJ Stacks and Brookfield is tremendous. Joe Adonito, burgers, dogs, fried chicken sandwich. I mean, he's he's you know he's killing it over there too. So I always got to shout out my you know my people. Yeah, no, I mean that's like food. Food is like ah, oh, it's such hard work. Man. <laughs> yeah. I gotta have so much love for coming for, from a guy who brews, which is a lot of hard work. <laughs> I know, but like man. At least I have a couple of weeks to figure it out. They got yeah. like you know, thirty minutes or yeah. something, right? No, exactly. Like yeah. Awesome. But anyway, but listen, it's thank been you such so a much. pleasure, man. I, thank I, you so much, Chris. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate this. Uh, yeah. Aradita Brewing. I'm so excited for you guys. Yeah. Uh, definitely check them out, everybody. Please, um, you know, look them up on Google, go to their website, uh, go over to 12% in North Haven and uh, try some of their beers and, uh, and get back to me. Let me know what you think, because I think that this guy in short order is probably going to be one of the biggest... Uh, biggest biggest deals around for sure. I could totally see that happening, and because um, he's doing some things and he's got some some flavors going on that I have not tasted in in some time. And I li- I wish you nothing but the best. Definitely don't be a stranger. We'd yeah. love to have you back on the show. Yeah. And I definitely got to take you up about coming to twelve uh, percent and 100%. seeing what it's you know seeing what you do and what yeah. it's like be you know all that stuff. See so. what it's like to be a brewer. Yeah. <laughs> you'll be like, oh, he's cleaning. Oh, look, he's cleaning again. Being the great Chris Popola. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Oh, man. Well, listen, thank you so much. My pleasure. Uh, we're on to good old days, but on to good old days. But what I want to say is definitely you know have a great night and thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Huge thanks once again to my guest on the podcast today, the wonderful Chris Papalo of Eredita Beer. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you giving us the opportunity to tell your story and what a great story it is at that. Thank you as well for bringing by your wonderful and tasty brews, some of the best I have had in a long time. I wish you nothing but the best and I cannot wait to come visit you at 12% Beer Project soon to see the master at work. Onward and upward, my friend. Yet again, another episode of Sweeten Up is in the books. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate your feedback and support. Thank you as always to my best friends, the guys who make it all possible, post-production and music Morgan Luzzi, production and art director Kurt Vinci, editor and writer Nick Passacretta, and a special thanks as always to Devin Sapelli. We have a few more guests coming up for you before we conclude season three and celebrate three years of the podcast. It really is crazy how time flies. We are working out the details of our last few guests of season three, and we hope you will once again join us for another fantastic conversation coming to you March 31st. Until then, you know the deal. Stay safe, stay healthy. Love you all. Peace.